Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire episode 376. Today is Friday, January 26th, 2024. Um, I, you know, yesterday I had enough people take interest in me nerding out over making my Beskar ingots from the Mandalorian. So I thought I would show the progress because Haley, I know you're out there. You're going to be interested. So this is, you can see, check out the, check out the pattern on it. That's raised. So it looks like it. And then it's going to be like full Chrome and I'm going to have like 20 of them in the, in the, the container. I got another one printing right now. Life is good. You guys, I'm super, I just love my happy place is like tinkering, making little prop things, um, you know, filmmaking, all that stuff happy place. So very excited about this. It's the little things. Go do something you love this weekend. Um, I wanted to remind you guys one more time tomorrow, Saturday, January 27th. Uh, you guys know we've been converting our teaching series into podcast form. We're kind of catching up. So when we start doing teaching series again, we'll just post it to our podcast platforms right after that final installment of whatever teaching series it is, whether it's two episodes or four. Um, and we will, uh, we'll, we'll post this, but until then we're just playing catch up right now. So the next one is the power of prayer featuring Christina Baker. Many of you are well aware you've been listening for the past couple of days, um, or have been watching her for a while, but she has over a million followers on TikTok. And what she does, she prays for people and she's seen immense fruit come out of that as a result of being obedient to that. So she carries a lot of authority in on the topic of prayer and teaching it. And uh, she goes around to different places and teaches about this stuff. So it's a really, really great, uh, great teaching series, especially if you're wanting to go deeper in your prayer life. Uh, it'll be impossible to not see some result uh, as a result of, of listening to that teaching series. So super great. All three episodes dropping tomorrow on all of our podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and beyond. Well, okay. I have to specify now because uh, Google Podcast is going away and it's just becoming YouTube music and we are not on YouTube right now. So uh, no, there's nothing on YouTube. Uh, sorry. Sorry, everybody. But there, are, there's a lot of other, everybody listens. Most people listen to Spotify. So uh, it's there. So Check that out. All three episodes drop tomorrow. Also, guys, anytime you donate to ElijahStreams.com slash donate, those proceeds go towards keeping this free and Elijah Streams free. And they open up, they're opening up a lot of avenues for us to open up new programming, which uh, there's going to be more on that coming in the near future. So uh, super exciting. Uh, but we take a portion of every single donation and we put it into our water well efforts. Our partner with Show Mercy International is absolutely legit. We've had Mike and Lori Sally, the founders of that organization, on this show. Really great people. Really love the Lord, doing amazing things. And so it's an honor to be able to partner with them. And that's been made possible because of your guys' donations. So we're going to play a quick video, and then we're going to get going with today's fantastic guest. In the midst of Rose and her friend Kamiati's joyous celebration of the drilling of a new water well, a painful memory from Rose's past comes to mind. Both Justine, Rose's daughter, and Amina, Kamiati's daughter, would routinely get up early in the morning in order to make the trek to the closest water source. As the girls were collecting water one morning, Justine ventured too far into the deeper water and tragically drowned. 
It's been seven years since Justine's untimely passing. There hasn't been any other options for water, but that's all changing. The prayers of Rosner friends for a pure, clean water source have been answered and they are overwhelmed by God's goodness. This new water well is the result of the generosity shown by you, our Elijah Streams partners. The difficult journey to the polluted water source for Rose and her neighbors is almost at an end, and it's because of you. Donate online at ElijahStreams.com slash donate, or mail a check today to Elijah Streams, 525 2nd Avenue Southwest, Suite 629, Albany, Oregon, 97321. So thank you guys again so much for your donations. We so appreciate it. Um, Aaron, I saw your comment. What time tomorrow is that teaching series? All three episodes dropping. It should be by this evening, actually, or by tomorrow morning. We just say tomorrow, but it'll be in the morning. So just be looking at it. Hit refresh. If you get up like at four in the morning, maybe it won't be, won't be there. But uh, just just keep a look. And um, yeah, they'll, they'll show up. But they, it is tomorrow. Tomorrow morning typically is, is when they show up. The next the next morning. So check, keep, keep a weathered eye. So, all right, guys, my guest today, we love, we love this guest. We love her. Don't we? Uh, she's a minister. She's a super gifted teacher. She's also the author of the fantastic book. I always got to plug it. Defend yourself guys. If you find yourselves in cycles of sin, cyclical thoughts, uh, destructive thoughts, um, you might have a stronghold in your life. And so this is a great great book. Kara goes above and beyond. She's got worksheets in here. She's got all kinds of stuff. Really can't recommend this enough. People, when I, when I talk to them, we get a lot of people that write, um, just, you know, going through it and, um, getting to know them. This is a book I recommend quite frequently to people when I'm out and about or, uh, people that write through the show. And, um, it's just such a powerful book, you guys. Um, one of the best on the subject, and yeah, super great. So link is in the description to that. Please go buy it. You will not regret it. If you have not already, if this is your like thousandth time hearing me say this and you haven't bought it yet and you're still dealing with some stuff in your life that you can't shake, go buy it. Go buy it. Go buy the book. Do it. You'll think you'll thank me later. You'll thank the Lord and you'll thank me for saying it a thousand times. So, and then you'll thank Kara for writing it and being obedient and on and on and on it will go. So. Uh, but she is also the founder of Safe Passage. What is Safe Passage? Well, we're going to talk all about that today. Without any further ado, let's give it up for our guest today, founder of Safe Passage, Kara Starr. Kara, hey. Amelia Starnes. Is it Hello. Amelia? It's, it's not Amelia. In, oh my gosh. Jeff, <laughs> no, but guess what? I know your favorite thing is to uh, find a way to embarrass me. I did. I don't know if you were watching backstage, but I got up to stretch, and then when I sat down, I almost fell out of my chair. I didn't. Do you remember when it was? Oh man, yeah, I missed it. Yeah, but you just outed like, yourself. I know. I was like, if they didn't see that, that one was gold right there. Yeah. But, Oh man. Yeah. yeah. I, I picked the worst chair for today. And so I'm like, okay. I'm you're like, in so you're in Georgia right yes. now. The state, not the country. Yes, yes. In Atlanta. Um, it's been a wild year. I guess it's January, so it's gonna be a beautiful year, but so I mean, uh, I think I'm like uh well, we're we're bringing safe passage uh to Atlanta. 
And so I'm here today. I've been here for uh, about a week just making connections and getting oriented. Uh, this is my sister's house. And so uh, I'll head back back home soon. But yeah, it's been a, a crazy time. But um, yeah, excited. Yeah, super exciting. So um, for those who don't know, and I did not, all right, I told you I was going to out myself. Yes. To this month of January is actually Nath National Human Trafficking Prevention Month. I believe that's mm -hmm. the correct official title, mm -hmm. something like that. Um, and Carrie, you founded Safe Passage, mm -hmm. and um, Safe Passage Passage is in a process of, I would say, exciting expansion. Yes. Uh, but why don't you tell people what Safe Passage? Safe. I can't say it. It's not that hard of a word. Safe <laughs> Passage. Tell people what it is, what it's yeah. about. And then we're going to kind of talk. Apparently, these are really cool kind of a lot of miraculous stuff surrounding even this getting off the ground. So go. Oh, man. So Safe Passage, we began in 2018. And so I'll give you kind of the overview of what we do today. Mm -hmm. And then really the basis of, of this, uh, the video today, the live today, is I'm actually going to tell you our story of how we got here. It's a story of, of compounded miracles. But uh, today, um, so we mainly work in Louisville, Kentucky. We started this in 2018. We are now growing it into Atlanta and we're growing uh, short-term missions into the border of Mexico. Come on. And so we specialize in combating the issue of child trafficking. And so what we do is we actually, uh, you know, we do prevention programs and community awareness and that type of stuff. But the heart of what we do is actually walking alongside of these teenagers who've been impacted by child trafficking, exploitation, or grooming. And so that's what we've been doing for, I don't know, going on more than six years now. Wow. And now we're expanding. I just, the story I'm about to tell you today like I just sat like laid in bed before this and I was just like humble before God, like unable to even like say much before him, because like if you knew um, who I was in that process before God, um, there were times I was very difficult to work with with God, you know, on the outside, you know, people might not have known that, but the wrestling with God was a very ugly wrestling, you know, and I just was, even before I was preparing, like how to tell my story and, and all that stuff. I was like, God, why did you keep me all these years? Like mm -hmm. I was not easy to work with. I had, I had fear. I didn't have faith. And so it's just like the most humbling story to tell because the first three years of this, like if we're going on six years, the first three years, I told God, I don't want this. I don't want to do this. Why did you pick me? This is torture. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like a Jonah Moses thing. Like didn't want the leadership, didn't want to go. And uh, now, you know, after all that wrestling, after the nasty things I, I, I said to God about, why would you give this to me? This is, this is just your, um, a prison and I hate this thing. And, and this thing's my enemy. Are you kidding me? What I'm walking in is the coolest thing that has ever happened to me. I'm living like the most interesting life. I have my dream life. I have my dream life. 
and it continues to evolve. And so what I couldn't see at the, it was so difficult at the time. I couldn't see the blessing that God was giving me if only I would persevere and, and give it some time. Mm. So I want to ask you something. You said, I have my dream life. Mm-hmm. What is that? What does that mean? What does that mean to you? Because other people are going to have different definitions of what that means. I'm really curious. My, you know, this is something even in the last two years, I've gained so much gratitude. Mm-hmm. And my dream life, you know, I, I'm not a very, you know, you can't put me in a box. I'm a very out of the box kind of person. Mm-hmm. And so my life, if people like understood uh, uh, how much variety I have in my life, most people would probably be so disoriented by my life. Like I don't have routine. I don't know what city I'm going to be in or what I'm going to be doing. And, you know, there are things that with this, it's a business, but it's also a ministry. And so not only do I get to do the budgets and the infrastructure and nerd out all the time, um, but I also, okay, like, you know, one day I'll be doing grant writing. And then two days ago, I was ordering a hundred squeaking rubber chickens off of Amazon. (laughs) As one does. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I'm, I get to relive the best parts of my childhood and the best parts of my, my walk with God. And so when I grew up, uh, you know, uh, the teenage years were amazing for me. I know some people have a really bad relationship with their teenage years. And, uh, but for me, they were, they were amazing. Mm -hmm. And my favorite parts were going to the, the church camps and the church retreats and having Christian mentors. And so this, this organization, I get to encounter kids who've been groomed and trafficked and exploited, who don't know God, who didn't grow up in the church. And I get to give them the best parts of my childhood. Mm -hmm. I get to give them camps and retreats and mentors and squeaky rubber chickens for the crazy TikTok viral game that we're going to do. And so um, it's it's been really hard. It continues to be hard. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm living uh, the coolest life God could have ever given me. Well, and a lot of it too, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is, is learning to surrender. And there's a lot of, I mean, you said it, you're really difficult to work with for, for, for God. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, is anybody too difficult for God to work with? But I think, you know, you definitely dug your heels in, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say I dug my face into the carpet. Like (laughs) it was like that ugly of like when you just, uh, and I'll tell you through the story today of what it really was, what that wrestle was Mm -hmm. uh, season after season. But like, dug my heels in not so much um i wouldn't put myself as high as being able to stand on my own two feet these six years it was more of like i don't know what i'm doing and i'm terrified it was more like let me dig my face into the carpet in in prayer in tears to the lord and you know what jeff to be honest like when i tell this story like people get to hear the miracles but like, I wish I could sometimes explain like the wrestling more. Mm-hmm. And when I was like laying on the bed, trying to figure out how to share this, you know, I just said, God, why was it that I waited for you? Because there were times when I didn't know what to do. 
and I didn't know how the solution and I didn't know how to move forward. And I wasn't just stuck. I was like lost and I needed a miracle. And, you know, today I was processing that with God. I said, God, why did I wait for you? And I began thinking, I was like, well, maybe it's because I trust God. And I was like, "Mm, I mean, sure. And I was like, well, you know, maybe it's because I didn't know what to do. You know, obvious, you know, I had to wait if I didn't know what to do. But I realized the reason I actually waited on God is because I knew that there was a promise and I knew that if I Ishmaeled it, mm-hmm. I knew it would cost me. Mm. And so that was something I didn't really realize until today. Mm. Like the yeah. waiting has been so painful, you know, mm-hmm. it but is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's something that's really speaking to a lot of people's hearts, you know, because there's a lot of people that are still in that. And I, I would, I would venture there's plenty that you still are waiting for promise wise, mm-hmm. but uh, you're, you're bearing the fruit of what happens when we wait on the Lord. What happens when we persevere through that? Cause it can be pain. I mean, it can be painful, like, yeah. like waiting for God, you know? And then I just look at like all of this stuff. Cause I, I mean, I could be wrong, but even during the forming of safe passage, there was, you touched on kind of your mental and emotional state during mm-hmm. the early years of that. Correct. In, oh, in, yeah. in your book, defend yourself. So yeah. people, if you want to get more kind of inside, uh, kind of context for some of what she's going to be talking about, you may touch on some of it, but mm-hmm. Um, that's where you can find it as well. This is just a whole big plug for defend yourself. Apparently, <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're going yeah. with it. Um, uh, I think you knew this, but I actually I know the book is a, a big girl. Like she is over three hundred pages, you know. And for uh, people who are not readers, I recognize that's a really big thing to go through. So starting, I, th- I don't know if I'm going to start it this week or the week after. I'm going to do an online series where I teach the whole book. Whoa. On YouTube for non readers. Cool. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah. So people go follow her on YouTube so that you. <laughs> I'm so excited. So I know you would be too, but. Yeah, no, that's super awesome. Yeah. Um, I'll have to, I'll have to check that out too. Um, okay. So Kara, let's talk about then how this even started. How did Safe Passage even become a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it all started when I was born. No. Um, so, okay. So when I, let's just say, you know, coming out of college, uh, I thought I was going to be a missionary. I thought I was going to go overseas and like be this overseas missionary. And I actually did that and, uh, realized, I think I'm called like stateside. And so, um, after some time overseas, I came back home and I knew, um, God was going to give me some type of mission ministry work here. And so he opened the door for me to work at a um, national scaled organization. And so they were working with women who had been trafficked and they were basically giving them shelter and rehab and things of that nature. And so I'm working for this organization and um, a few years in, they kind of start promoting me. And so at the time we thought, okay, I'll go to a new city. I'll launch the next shelter for the women. 
And so I start like taking on this new role with them. And as soon as I get into that role, um, there's this uh, conference put on. So it's most of this is happening in Louisville, Kentucky. Like what you're hearing? Help us continue to make Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. To get behind this ministry, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. Now back to the show. And so Washington, D.C., they basically send their victims of crime department. And so in Louisville, we're having this um, huge conference on trafficking. Uh, You know, D.C. sent all their people to host it and train us. And I attend this session to learn about um, uh, child trafficking. And um, the state detective, uh, Kentucky's kind of like state uh, detective and expert, was sitting next to me. And so we're in the back of the room, you know, drinking coffee and, you know, doing our thing. But the speaker basically says, hey, listen, um, we're in Louisville today. And I just want to let everybody know that Kentucky basically has no services uh, for trafficked youth. And so, you know, I'm just sitting there like minding my own business. And the detective next to me, he elbow punches me. And I'm like, what do you want? And he's like, are you listening? I was like, I'm listening, but I'm like 24 and I work for an organization that serves women. And I'm, you know, what do you want me to do? Call my boss and ask if we're going to work with children. Yes. I walked out into the hallway and I, (laughs) something came when he elbow punched me. Some, it was like, God was just like, like pass the baton. And so I walked out into the hallway and I called my boss and I I told him um, what I had learned that Kentucky had nothing for the trafficked youth. And I said, you know, I don't want to be crazy or anything. You know, I know you were doing this, this other thing, but I said, should we look into this? And um, they gave me a very uh, loose leash uh, for six months to do all the research, to talk to all the stakeholders in Kentucky to see what it would take. And at the end of those six months, I walked into the national board of directors meeting and each and every one of us knew this is so massive. It has got to be its own thing. And so we all, you know, unanimously said, oh, you know, we can't do it. Somebody else is going to have to do it. And my boss, he looked at me in front of the whole board and he said, we think you should do it. And I was like, I, I mean, it was the biggest joke. I, I'm absolutely the biggest joke. And um, you're like, haha, wouldn't that be something? Yeah, what, wouldn't that be crazy if I was? <laughs> like, no, I'm serious. And so I walked out of there and I, I can't really explain it, but my, I cried. I cried for weeks. And I just, I was just like, you know, it's not going to happen. I, I can't do it. It's just not going to happen. This is because you were overwhelmed. That's why you were crying. Like the thought I was of it. Terrified. Was like, yeah. I was terrified. I didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I was afraid of failure. I was afraid of leadership. And uh, to this day, it's something I work through every day. And so that summer, um, this must have been 2017. I, I don't know, 2018, something like that. But that summer, um, the Lord had me in the book of Daniel. And, you know, it's not a long book. And I was like in it all summer. And by the end of the summer, I was like, 
it's not that long. Like, what do you want? Like, what do you want? What do you want me to find in this thing? Mm -hmm. And I was just so frustrated. Like, let me go. Like, why am I here? And I finally turn it 20 or 22, one of those chapters. And Daniel had been fasting because the Lord had given him a vision or a dream Mm -hmm. and he had absolutely no understanding of what it meant. Mm -hmm. And so he's fasting like, Lord, help me, help me with this. And so I'm in this chapter and Daniel had had so many heavenly encounters. But finally, at the end of this fast, this massive like angel comes to him. And I don't know if he faints or, or passes out or what, but one of those and um or falls over i don't know but he he goes down because he's like he's terrified by the the heavenly thing he sees Mm -hmm. and the funniest thing to me is that the thing that freaked daniel out and, and made him pass out okay so he goes out guess what woke him up that that mm-hmm. thing so he hey yeah <laughs> and, and the angel's like you know up, get up buddy yeah, doesn't <laughs> so he fall like, a couple of times i i think that's the part where he like falls Does, the, I, it, I can't remember the angel has to strengthen him but i'm yeah. just like how, i would have peed my pants like to yeah. be woken up by the thing that made me like you know pass out i'd be like this is too much for me but have you seen uh, really quick have you seen there's this artist that did like computer generated renditions of the descriptions of of different like seraphim and stuff and if you type in on youtube you type in like biblically accurate angels or something they're terrible terrible. no wonder daniel is afraid yeah they're freaky so i'm just i'm just like reading this and i'm like the poor guy Mm -hmm. and then i start bawling my eyes out because I'm like, this is me, God. Hmm. Um, I So basically the angel has to strengthen Daniel to even receive the message that it's come all this way to give Daniel. And I just said, God, this is me. I'm too freaked out to even hear you if you do have something to tell me about this. I said, if you want me to even withstand a message from you about this, this potential call in my life, you're going to have to actually strengthen me. Hmm. And so I prayed that prayer. I said, strengthen me, Lord, if you want me to hear from you. And then I realized something about uh, that chapter as well. I realized that there had been all this spiritual warfare in the heavenly realms. And actually, one of the archangels had to go and, you know, work it all out and all this stuff. And I just said, I said, God, if anything is locked up in the heavenly realm that we need to do this, would you unlock it and send it? And Jeff, um, I prayed those prayers to clean my hands. I didn't pray those prayers because I wanted it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I prayed those prayers to clean my hands and hopefully be like, I prayed it. God didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I was. And so I prayed those prayers. And the next day, my board member calls me. And there had been a uh, awareness meeting for this other organization I had been working with. And at that meeting, we had told, you know, the group of women, you know, we're kind of praying about this and just holding our hands open about this. And, you know, we didn't make it a big thing because, you know, I thought I was home free. Well, the next morning after all all of this, my uh, chairman calls me. 
and she said, Hey, um, I don't know if you remember this, this lady who, this friend of mine who attended that session, you know, last month or whenever it was, but she called me and she knows we're praying about this. And apparently she has a foundation and she said, if we want to do this, she's going to write us a $50,000 check to Dude. start. Oh, Kara, you prayed it and check mm -hmm. it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment, I was like, you know, I'm either like have a sign or I'm going to ignore it. And, you know, like if that's a sign, if I've ever met one. And, you know, we hadn't filed with the IRS. We hadn't, you know, made a decision at the board level. Like foundations don't just write $50,000 checks to non-existing nonprofits. Right. And I just knew this is God. This is God. Mm -hmm. And so to up the ante on everything, I had said, you know, all right, all right. Well, let's um, put this together. Let's get this going. And we'll have a launch party in a few months. We will have a, a cheap potluck in my backyard where everybody can bring food. And we will just uh, discuss this and announce this and raise money for it. And a few weeks later, my uh, board member called me back. And she said um, the governor's wife had gotten a hold of, of this, that caught wind that we were doing this. In Kentucky? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mind you, I, I don't know if I was 25 years old or something like that. Like I mm -mm. and you're in the corner breathing out of a paper bag, right? You're like, this wasn't supposed to work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so she called uh and the governor's wife. So so we end up getting on the phone and I'm like, Yeah, you can come to our potluck. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Great. She was like, how about we move the potluck to the um, historical governor's mansion? And how about we change it from a potluck to a butlered, like, service, like, like catered a... meal? Oh, my goodness. Um, and so that happened. And then there were just, before we get into some of the serious stuff, let me just tell you two funny things. Like, it was just the icing on the cake. But we were playing around with, like, what we wanted the logo to be, the logo of the organization. And I had said, uh, so my sister's, you know, a designer and all that stuff, a graphic designer. And so she was, she was doing it for me. And um, she is a very busy, successful, um, you know, corporate girl. And so when she was doing this for me in her spare time, she had said, Kara, um, I can't waste time on this project. You know, I've got important people. She was like, so know what you want, know the colors know the the uh, design know the font know what you want so that we don't waste time on multiple concepts and i was like i was like you got it you got it so i had told my sister for safe passage i wanted um a bridge or a doorway or something like that and so she had said okay great and so i end up um meeting someone at church and uh, uh this person ended up becoming a board member years and years later but she was like, she heard about what we were doing. And so she was like, let's get lunch. 
And so her name is Andrea and she's um, a really well-known real realtor in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And actually there's a historical castle in Kentucky and Andrea um, sold it. It was one of her properties. I'm looking and, up this castle in Kentucky. Right? Okay, please do. <laughs> Kentucky. It's literally called curious. the Kentucky Castle. Yeah. So, Look at that. It's legit. I'm not lying. So um, she had sold it. And she said, Kara, when I just keep seeing this mission, I keep getting a vision of a castle. And, you know, I'm not big into like Disney and cheesy things like that. And I was like, that means nothing to me. I know, I know she sold a castle. The Lord's not speaking to me about castles. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, cool. Well, that same day I opened up my email and my sister who told me not to waste time on concepts, she changed the entire concept on me. And without asking me about the change in direction, my sister sent me our logo and it was a castle. Come on, dude. And so not knowing about the conversation you had had. No. Was, yeah. Same day. So cool. Same day. Love that. And uh, right after that, um, I was preparing uh for the fundraiser at the governor's mansion. Uh -huh. And uh, I was, I was, um, there's a church uh, in Louisville. It's the, it's the big church. And I was there in the cafe doing some work and, you know, it's a huge, it's a huge place. And so I had my headphones in head down, all this stuff. I wasn't, there was no chance I was catching any movement. I don't know what happened, but I just took a break and I looked up and the janitorial team was carrying a massive, um, castle down the hallway Dude. and so i'm looking up i'm like what are first of all the chances i started calculating second of all i was like don't do anything crazy you don't need a castle but like maybe two weeks go by i start emailing the church i'm like does anybody know who that castle belongs to and they were like oh the castle belongs to we rented it from a event company so i, I called this event company I explain, I've seen this castle. Here's what we're doing. We're going to the governor's mansion. I was like, what would it take to borrow your castle? And so they emailed back and they were like, oh, that thing you saw, you actually saw one piece of a three piece set. And so it was like a six foot wide, like uh, six foot tall, 12 foot wide castle. And they were like, it's a $5,000 uh, delicate product. Um, but we'll let you borrow it for one night for free. <laughs> Dude, borrow it? Yeah, so we borrowed it. We had it, like, at the governor's mansion. Like, it was just, like, literally from all of this stuff happening of, like, it was just the most precious thing to have literally, like, uh, like it was, like, God even choosing, uh, like, the gears of, the, like, the castle, the logo right. of the organization. Yeah, so you're like, okay, it's a castle. Yeah. We got so it. yeah, we were like, okay, message received. But so, so, um, but anyways, um, where do I go from here? Um, that was all like 2018 and 2019. And, you know, in those first two years, we started doing prevention work. We started getting into the schools and, and talking to students about sexual abuse and, and human trafficking and, and all those things. But to be honest, in those two years that we were raising money, I thought we were going to open a um, group home. Okay. All of us on the board, me, all of our context with most nonprofit services was, well, how you help people is you house them. Mm -hmm. And so for two years in 2018 and 2019, we're raising all this money. 
to open a group home. And to be honest, um, I, that's why I struggled those years. I despised, I absolutely despised that idea. Um, I had come from a residential setting okay, and I knew it was, um, taxing. I knew it was unsustainable. I knew, um, the secondhand trauma, the staff go through the amount of money it takes to keep the lights on. And then what happens is you make all this progress with the uh, survivors in the home. Mm -hmm. And then six months later, or a year later, you send a changed person back into an unchanged environment. It's a matter of 48 hours before they're triggered and back on the streets and back in the situation. Wow. So it's secondhand trauma because you're getting all these people that have w major wounds, major trauma, mm -hmm. all put into the same place. And so all said workers mm -hmm. facilitating there, it's just mm -hmm. like a runoff kind of a thing because they may lash out at you. They may, oh, yes. they may abuse you yes. because of their trauma. Yeah. I got you. Mm -hmm. And so these two years, I'm just being obedient to what I'm thinking is the call, which is mm -hmm. I thought residential, yeah. but I, I hated that idea. And my board actually knew I'm probably going to start this. And then I'm probably going to give it over to someone else because I, I don't like, I don't want this. Hmm. And so 2020 uh, comes around and I know 2020 was a special year for everybody. Yeah. Special is one way to describe it. Yeah. The world was, shutting down due due to covid mm -hmm. but my world was shutting down due to something else entirely okay. and uh i won't you know go into the technicality but the child welfare system with the foster care and the group homes for kids and all that stuff it was going through the biggest reform the nation has ever seen wow and group homes in kentucky that had existed for 50 years were shutting down because the need was decreasing and evolving. Wow. And so I had meetings two years into raising all this money, two years into all these endorsements. Um, I met with the state and I said, shoot me straight, you know, what is the future of group homes in Kentucky? And they basically just told me, listen, you know, we can't tell, we don't know what's happening because of COVID and we don't know what's happening because of the reform. But all I can tell you is half of the group homes in Kentucky have shut down and the other half don't even have 50% of their beds filled. Wow. And so I was sitting here like, this is all I have worked for. I have raised money towards this. I have brought people into the vision and I'm getting shut down on every level. Hmm. And I had like in 2020, I had to pull the plug on everything. And I just said, I can't, I can't figure this out. This is a, an issue that is larger than just the vision we had. It's an infrastructural matter at hand. And I just said, I don't know what to do, but all I know is right now I don't have the solution. Mm -hmm. And so I pulled the plug and I'm just like, let's just wait on God. And so, um, 2020 was rough. Um, I was just, you know, my sister was even at my house this year and I remember just trying to cook eggs for breakfast and, and, you know, slamming the heat off. Cause I, I was just crying. Every morning. I was like, mm -hmm. 
I, I don't know what to tell people. I don't know what to tell my board. I don't know what to tell my partners. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of pressure at, at whatever age I was. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. And this was based off of that meeting you had with the state saying, hey, mm-hmm. like the future of mm-hmm. group homes is not. Mm-hmm. looking good and this mm-hmm. was like this was the whole focus you yeah. had everything for this yeah like that's it was a rough. it was a, a midlife crisis at a quarter life and so yeah, anyways, quarter life. Yeah. um so here's what happened is um there was a two-week period that got especially uh down to the wire okay. and i remember those two weeks i was um locked in my bedroom at, at, at face in the carpet uh, crying my eyes out. And I said, God, I'm going to jump ship. If you don't write it in the sky and tell me don't jump ship, I'm out. And I remember crying out to God for 14 nights saying that. And two weeks later, I, I, uh, uh, went to a coffee shop and my pastor was there. And, you know, with COVID, we hadn't caught up or anything or seen each other in a few weeks. And so he said, let me pray for you. Let me pray. For you. So he prays for me. And I've known this guy for a decade and I, I know, you know, what's normal and not. And in the middle of his, his prayer, he, he kind of like, was like, he was just like, I, I saw his face. And I was like, well, what was that? And he just said, I'm hearing something. And I said, okay, just give it to me. He said, the Lord says, don't abandon ship. Whoa. <laughs> I was like, so I walk out of there like weak and I'm like, I'm like, literally, I'm like, I know God sees me. I know God hears me. And I said, Lord, I said, if you're not frustrated with me yet, let me press you on one thing. I said, I asked you to write it in the sky. You got it word for word, except one word. I said, tell me not to jump. I said, God, why did you tell me not to abandon shit? And I heard him say, because you'd be abandoning an assignment too early. Hmm. And so I walk home and um, everything I'm about to tell you um, happened in the span of seven days. And so I go home and what I couldn't get in two years, I got as if it was digital blueprints in my head in two days. And so I'm stuck for two years and all of a sudden I'm at the gym and doing my thing. And I see exactly what we're supposed to do is take what we're going to do in a group home. Mm -hmm. And instead of having kids come to us, we go to them. Okay. And so uh, breaking out of the box and going, going to them. And I start seeing, I start seeing the flyers, the brochures, the methods, the everything. And I just said, Lord, I see it. But I've got two things I need from you to start. I said, number one, I need an office. Number two, I need a spirit-filled survivor of human trafficking to help me start this. Hmm. And so about three days into this, um, my friend uh, in Louisville, she had changed uh, jobs. And so I decided to go, you know, visit her at this new place during her, her lunch hour. And when I walk into her new her, her new um, uh, job, 
something very strange happens. I walk in and, and there were three like little offices, private offices, and there's a, a corner office on the left. And when I walk in, I have a vision. And it's me ordering furniture online and putting people around that furniture in an office. And I have this vision and I'm like, I'm like, I'm so embarrassed. I have never been here. I don't know whose office that is. I need an ego check. Like, like, <laughs> uh, like I need help. Um, <laughs> and so we sit down for lunch. And then the next thing I know is the CEO walks out of that corner office and he sits down and he begins to prophesy over me. And he's like, I can tell you're like, you're, you're, tra you're in a transition. And he starts telling me, I see you rebranding your website. I see you rebranding your, your, your colors. And here's and the colors are this and that. And he said, and also I see you moving into this left corner office. And I, I said, I actually was so um, freaked out. I actually didn't say anything. I, I came back a week later to ask. I just said to him, I saw you walk out. Of, is that not your office? And he was like, no, we rent these out. And that's the last one available. And yeah. so yeah. I'm telling you, it's compounded miracles. Like, mm -hmm. and the reason I love telling this story, uh, and I have so much more today, we'll just see how much we get through. But mm -hmm. like, the reason I love telling this story is I love to bring out God's faithfulness. And I love to, to like, when people are like, I'm on a faith walk, like, what does that actually look like to to live a life where what you have is dominoed miracles? Hmm. And that that's it for me. I, I don't have anything but that. Hmm. And um, so then about um, about a few days later, I went to a conference. I was in I was in a bad mood. I didn't even want to go. And um, it was a human trafficking uh, educational seminar. And I didn't want to go, but I went <laughs> and guess who I met a spirit filled, uh, survivor of trafficking. Who's an amazing minister who had moved to Kentucky from Florida in the middle of COVID. Come on. All in the span of seven days. Mm -hmm. Dude, mm -hmm. that's wild. Mm -hmm. Well, Kara, something that I love about the, your story and cause I've heard you tell this, some of this before. Mm -hmm. Uh, just mm -hmm. in bits and pieces. Yeah. Is that during this process, you were also, God was doing a lot internally with you, mm -hmm. delivering you things, breaking down strongholds, things like that. So in your private life, which you're very open about that process, mm -hmm. you were going through that. But then at the same time, there's all of this. And I think that sometimes there's this misunderstanding we can have where it can be one one extreme or the other where we're like and it could be sometimes that this is the case for some people but i have to deal with everything and then mm -hmm. god will open the doors or there's the flip mm -hmm. side of that pendulum where you're like ah whatever you know and then you make it all about the thing and mm -hmm. inside here is the thing you know mm -hmm. um and so but what's been cool about you and how transparent you've been is it's very, very clear. There was this like, I don't know, this parallel journey almost of like what was happening inside of you, but then also God yeah. opening all these crazy doors and things like that. But you were engaged in both of those things, even when you didn't want to be, even when you were grumpy, even when you were like 
can I just please go and hide in a hole somewhere? <laughs> you know? So it's just, it's so cool. I love it. It was, it was exactly, I was going through so much um, spirit. I, there were things that in the book, I, I even saw a reel on Instagram last night, of, you know, just ministers, uh, you know, uh, very diplomatically, they're, they're, they're friends, but, but sharing their takes on, you know, demon possession and, and spiritual warfare. And I'm telling you, I grew up in a Methodist church where I didn't, I didn't believe in any of that mm -hmm. until I had uh, six years of PTSD, thought it was mental until I finally saw demons with my own eyes mm -hmm. and realized yeah. this is way more spiritual than I ever could have considered. Yeah. And I never would have believed that had I not actually had the Lord not exposed it. And so in this, this walk, I had things going on that were, were mental, were emotional, were spiritual. And it was by the grace of God, I didn't get wiped out. And um, I'm in a different place today. But my experience has humbled me for the brokenness sometimes that we, we carry behind the scenes. And um, I have an amazing mentor who wrote a book called, uh, uh, Jennifer Evaz wrote a book called The Inner Healing and Deliverance Handbook. And at 50 years old or something, she had all of these um, childhood memories come back that she didn't know she lived through. Hmm. And she did not know if she was going to make it sanity wise. And we, she had to have difficult conversations with the board of her church of, here's what's going to happen if I don't make it. Whoa. And we have seen in the last two years, um, trusted leaders not finish their race and fall. Right. And I'm in a place where I am in a, in a different place, but I'm humbled by the fear of the Lord of what the pressure of, of life can do to a person. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm working on right now is a, um, uh, a file for my board of directors. Uh, it's a, like a master key. And what it is, is the keys to the organization and the keys to the finances and the infrastructure. And what it is, is board of directors, if I have a mental breakdown or if I have a moral failure or if I have a car accident and die prematurely, you know, if I have a moral failure or one of these things, you have to take the keys. And it's a, it's a situation where um, I'm more humbled by the fear of the Lord that we have to know leadership has a pressure and we have to guard ourselves. Um, and I have so much grace uh, for people who are in leadership mm. from, uh, from what I've seen yeah. in my own life. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So Kara, you had all this happen. Um, you met the spirit filled survivor of human trafficking that had relocated to Kentucky. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of stuff that's had, you know, the corner office thing, all of that crazy stuff, all in the span of seven days. So what happened next? Because it, that it was at that time when you saw the sh a shift in the perspective of what you were even going to do outside okay. the box, go to people. What does that mean? Okay. Yeah. How does that look? Oh, yikes. Well, then I had a whole uh, mental breakdown because then I it was time to face the music because the Lord was faithful. And now here we go. And so we start working together. Um, 
I cannot tell you. So we started sending emails, having meetings with the FBI, with law enforcement, with child advocacy centers, with everybody who was in touch with the victims. And for, for months and months and months, me, me and Jen, my partner, we are building this. We are, and I'm terrified out of my mind because this has never been modeled to me. The model we God gave us, I didn't have another organization to say, oh, I know this is going to work because they're doing it. I had no idea if we were going to go this way and ever get a referral, ever get a family who wanted this type of service. Mm-hmm. And so I cannot tell you how like the the fear and stress I had, but our first referral was from the FBI. Like our, our first few cases that year were the most, uh, um, the wildest cases I've seen yet to my career. And we end up having this thing come through, like everything's like, like going just as God said it would go. We are walking alongside of kids who've actually been trafficked and exploited. And these kids are coming from, from lifestyles where they, a, a male, a, a child, a, a boy, um, sleeps with 15 men in one night. God, dude, that's just. Yeah. It, and, and the girls are half dead because of the drugs and, yeah. and the streets. And like, if you pulled up, if you pulled up the um, FBI's most wanted list, you know, every year, I can tell you. That's who my kids are, are sleeping with. That's who my kids are running uh, to, to, to uh, running from their house to these, these guys and the life of the gangs and the drugs, because these guys give them the sexual attention that, that they can't compute as love, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. And so th- this is what I'm dealing with. And it has been the most amazing thing because then a year later, I get a vision and I'm like, I'm like, the, the mentor thing is cool and all, but how do I really bring them into um, experiencing God? They, they hate church. These kids have been, you know, uh, living out, you know, on this crazy life. They don't want to go to church. They're, yeah. they're scared they're going to get judged. Yeah. Yeah, they also, might, some of them might not even have a grid for it. Even mm-hmm. Yeah. So I get this vision of having a retreat and i'm like god this is the dumbest craziest riskiest thing because uh how do i phrase it um uh, the kids like it's a sleepover it's our kids can't be trusted at a sleepover with other kids like how am i going to i'm going to put on this super expensive retreat all the kids need their own private like room because they can't be in rooms together because they're all, you know, bisexual and, you know, attracted yeah. to each other. And, and I was like, and I'm bringing kids who do drugs um, in our, like the state's worst case kids to a th- two night weekend, three day weekend. And I was like, this is nuts. And so we do it. And these kids get hooked on Jesus and they are like begging me for more retreats and more, more God. And this year we're having two retreats and a baptism party. And we've got kids who used to be in this, this um, prostituting style lifestyle, uh, uh, you know, transgender and bisexual and all this. And we have kids 
who are turning from that. Well, not because we said anything, but because when they encounter God, they reconnect uh, with 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 pure love. And they one of the girls. She uh, used to sell her own body like she just used to do it because she wanted the the cash. Hmm. And she said to her mentor one day because she was bisexual, she said, she said, hey, um, what do you think God thinks about my sexuality? A 16 year old who sells her body says, I love God so much. I don't care what anyone thinks about my life. I don't care what anybody tells me to do, but I want to, I want to know what God thinks for my life. Like, yeah. are you serious? Yeah. That's, like that's the stuff I'll never get over. Yeah. So this, I'm curious, this retreat, was it, was it advertised as a Christian come and hang out with God retreat? Like how, what was your angle with it? I'm curious. <laughs> Um, well, by the time the retreat comes around, uh, the kids, like they know their mentors pretty good. Um, so as long as their mentors going and their mentor says it's fun, they're kind of like, okay, you know, I don't have to be with my parents all weekend, or I don't have to be at the psychiatric unit all weekend. And so they're kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's better than being home. So they kind of come just to like, get get out, change of scenery. Yeah. Yeah. And then end up getting hooked. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, there was like one other miracle that happened, you know, two years into all this, God had given me like this vision and two years into it, my staff come to me and they're like, they're like, um, they tell me they're like, um, this is really unsustainable. I'm like, what do you mean it's unsustainable? This is what God told us to do. And they begin to kind of highlight some things to me. Um, I'm like, cried, like, this is unsustainable. And my staff, like, can't do this. They can't do this long term. And I, at that point, I was like, I don't know what to do because God, God gave this to me. And I don't know. This is all I have. I don't have a plan B. Mm-hmm. And so I'm back in that situation of what do I do if I don't do it quick, I'm going to lose everything I have. Mm -hmm. And I just went back to that place of, I don't know, but I have to wait on God. Mm -hmm. And I was terrified. He was never going to answer me. And after everything he's already done, isn't it funny that we do that sometimes we're like, God, I'm all alone. It's like completely forgetting everything else he did, you know? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm preaching and prophesying to myself today about the situation I'm in today. Like this is a bit painful yeah. for me, but the next day, literally, if you haven't seen the theme, it's like the next day, <laughs> um, but the next after day, you despair the next day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the next day I get a call from an organization in Indiana and I, I told you before I had no model. Well, the right. next day, this organization kind of finds me and they email me. And they're like, hey, we do similar things. We should get on the phone and compare notes. And we get on the phone and we do the same thing, but we were using staff and they were using Christian volunteers. And 
So they said to me, well, it sounds like what you're doing is really working for you. I don't know. We just really felt led by God to call you and tell you that we're packaging our model and training other organizations how to do what we do through volunteers. I was like, ah, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> so we end up um, in the next year gutting our entire organization and the way we do it to change it to help average Christians in the church who actually, you know, have been trained by the church to be mature in Christ, to evangelize and to disciple, to actually mentor and disciple the youth we were working with. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. And so that's what we do now today. It, and it was just, it was a, it's been a, it's been a crazy the way that got gutted and flipped, it's just been beautiful. It's been and nice. when was that? When, what, what year was that when it got gutted? Mm, probably two years ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. It sounds like it's been this ever kind of refining process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. It's been nuts. Um, it's been, I'm in a situation right now where there's a lot going on and I've had to teach myself like, um, you know, this doesn't really get easier, actually. I don't know if I've ever, but like it, it, it you get more, but it, the, the load changes because your muscle grows. And so it's like what used to be a heavy five pounder, like now you're used to. And so next time the 10 pound comes, 10 pound comes, it's heavier, but it feels the same because you've adapted. Mm -hmm. But I'm in this situation now where I have like, like. I'm walking through an even higher level and I've had to go, Kara, you've, you've been through this and why don't you learn from, from God's faithfulness? And what I didn't have six years ago was hindsight. Today I have that to supplement my faith. And there was a, a moment this year where we didn't even get a grant. That was a, I don't know. There was a few things that added up to maybe $50,000 and we didn't get it. And I was like, Lord, that's like 50K that we're losing in sustainable, predictable income. Where is that going to come from? And I did the spiral thing. I said, you know what? Why don't we, why don't we learn from the past, not spiral this time? Like, like, let's just, let's just test the theory, not spiral this time. <laughs> I said, God, I'm going to give you 30 days. I'm not going to spiral. I said, I'm going to give you 30 days. And I would like to see new funding sources come in. And about a week or two later, somebody in California, we don't even work in California. Somebody in California decided to start giving um, every single month at a large level and is probably taking care of half of that, if not more. Wow. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Do you have a desire to work in California? Uh, I have a desire to uh, slow everything down. We're, we are. Um, <laughs> it's not going to happen, Kara. <laughs> I have a desire to. I'm actually changing my role now, just even in so many ways. But, uh -huh. um, my desire is to definitely see us launch in Atlanta and do short term work in Mexico. After that, I'm not like I'm not out to dominate the world but um i know we'll see i know but uh 
we, I mean, how how good has that done for you so far, though? You know, it seems like every single time you're like, no, God, I'm f- no, thank you. He's like, mm-hmm. here, check this out. Thrusts, mm-hmm. pushes you out into the. No, thank you. Know. Yeah, I got an email today, even that uh, there's a, I have a friend in ministry who, you know, last year, you know, he had even said, you know, some time ago, I felt like God was calling me to this. But, you know, I just, I worked it out with God and I decided to this instead. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, when he said that, I didn't say anything, but I was like, that wrestling match is not over. First of mm-hmm. all, I didn't say that, but I got an email today that he gave up uh, the thing he started in uh, that he said he thought was like the thing. And he's officially going in transition told him to go to hey you zi- you zipped out for like a split second <laughs> did you did i or did you because on my end it looks like yeah i've been here this whole time so yeah no we're but, good it was just for a second but that's even today i just got that and i'm like the lord will do that you like he will just i, I i'm living my life open-handed and like like knowing the only way we actually win wrestling with like when we wrestle God, I don't know like how, you know, Jacob won is he just clung to God, but his hip got broken and punched right. out. And it's like the only way you win wrestling with God is letting him break every single factor of control in your life. Hmm. Everything you, you stand on and, and self, dependence is letting him break that that's the only way you win a wrestle is not letting go when he's breaking everything down in you yeah it's nuts yeah what's your hope uh, Kara? when you when you tell people about this about god's faithfulness and how he totally exceeded your expectations much to your dismay sometimes um like what's what's your hope and your your prayer like that the reaction that's produced in other people when they hear this i want people to know um it's worth waiting on god Hmm. there are so many you know why i did all this i felt crazy (laughs) all these years Uh, i still do my board teases me they're like they're like you wait forever and they tease me but they're like, but, but Kara, as soon as you go, as soon as God gives you the green light, you take off like a rocket. It's like as if you never waited because when he says go, you go like a rocket. Yeah. And I want people to know it's worth it to wait on God mm. because the, the Bible says we make our, we make our plans in our heart and then the, the Lord blesses or establishes our steps. And so we can make our own yeah. plans, but there's also scripture that says, I know the plan. I know God knows. I know the plans I have for you. And there's scriptures of the Lord takes us down the best pathway for our life and the Lord directs our steps. And we see that in, in the people who had these, these huge intricate kingdom callings, they had, they needed compounded miracles. Yeah, for sure. And so I want people to know that if you feel like you're supposed to step out and surrender your life not to your plans, but to God's plans. I want you to know uh, he actually has plans 
and sometimes it can hurt to wait on them but man don't ishmael it because yeah. when the real thing happens um you just it, it, it you just feel like you're you're in a, in like your life is in god's hands mm -hmm. you know yeah for sure mm -hmm. well i think that's something that i can speak i mean because my wife and i are we're definitely like waiting on the Lord for several things right now, you know, and I think that this is a good reminder for me. Like, as I was listening to you, I couldn't help but look at all the memorial stone moments in yeah. our own lives. You know, actually tomorrow we're going to a, a home church um, and we're going to be sharing about all the things that God has done in our lives, you know, and, and um, uh, mm -hmm. You can't help but when you reflect on the faithfulness of God in the past, you can't help but encourage you mm -hmm. in the present, whether that's to have the courage to step out and do something or whether that is to have the courage to wait, you mm -hmm. know, reputation be damned, you know. And um, I think that that's something that is really admirable and evident in in your life, Kara, is that you have done that, you know, like as you have and, and so much so that you're bored teases you about it. Mm -hmm. You take forever. But when you do and you know that it's God, that you take off like a rocket, you know? So let me, before I forget, this is one of the things that really stood out to me that mm -hmm. might help people today. But for me, waiting um, doesn't feel idle and it doesn't feel like a loss of time. Right. Because what I've had to realize we talk a lot about God opening and closing doors. When I tell you the moments that I, in my, I cannot tell you how many times in the last six years, I didn't want to get out of bed and face the call and the potential for failure. Um, but I couldn't stay stuck. And so here's what I did is I decided it's really bleak right now. Um, I don't know what is going to happen but I know I have to keep walking forward, even if I can't see. Mm -hmm. And so we talk a lot about God opening doors. In the faith walk, I'm, I want people to consider it this way. God has um, orchestrated timing. And the door, I want you to imagine it like a motion sensor door. And so the doors that open, they don't actually open until we walk and arrive at the time and place God already put that door. Hmm. And so all these doors I had open, they were not going to open if I stayed in my carpet and stayed in that place and stayed stuck for God to, you know, feel bad for me. I had to walk in faith. And as soon as I walked up to that door, it was like the timing. It was like the sensor knew my foot had arrived. I was in God's timing and the door finally opened. And so we have to consider that when, when the door isn't opening, we are probably our heart is a little bit ahead of, of um, the door. Our, our heart is a little bit ahead of where God has actually positioned it for our timing. Yeah, 100%. And so if we'll keep walking and trust that God has a reason it's there, not here, um, we'll actually get to that door if we don't stay stuck and we'll see why it opened at that time. Yeah. See, I love that. That's a great analogy about like a motion sensor on a door mm -hmm. of like, you, you can't, 
mm-hmm. you know, like the motion sensor at the store mm-hmm. is not going to open with me sitting right here yeah. doing Elijah fire. Right. I would have to leave, get in my car, go to the store, mm-hmm. walk up to the door. Um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes we have, and I think the challenge lies in sometimes where we think the motion sensor is and we're like, okay, mm-hmm. now it's going to open. And then it does not at all, you know, you're like, right. <laughs> Abracadabra, you know, like it's a like thing that yeah. we just do. And then suddenly it opens, you know, mm-hmm. if I do X, Y, and Z, the door will open, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not the way it works. And so mm-hmm. often for me, doors open for me when all hope looked lost or, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I was, if I, had cho- if I were to choose, okay, mm-hmm. if, if I could look at the span of my life, this is where I would choose where these doors would open. They never open mm-hmm. where, I, where, I, where I think they should, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so um, yeah, Kara. Well, um, I would love for you to, to pray for people specifically about this, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's in the waiting or whether it's in the being obedient, mm-hmm. you know, that we would continue to seek the Lord that, that our hearts would not be uh, full of hopelessness and sick mm-hmm. as a result of that hope deferred. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. All right. Let me pray. God, I just lift up all the, all the people here um, who sense uh, over their life that you have plans for them. Mm-hmm. I lift up, Lord, those who who maybe feel a little bit lost and delayed and kind of like their heart hurts. Lord, um, teach us how to trust you. Yeah. Teach us um, uh, the, the yes that comes in your timing, yeah, it, even when it's not our timing. Lord, help us to understand. Um, that you truly have our lives in your hands and you, you, yes, it's a scripture that God delights in the details of our lives. Lord, you delight in the details of our lives. Lord, I, I just pray today that people are inspired that you are actually in the intricate details of their life. Lord, I pray that people who are tempted to rush into prematurity, God, I pray that you would strengthen them. Hmm. I pray that people would actually have a, have like a like a supernatural strengthening to wait because when we wait, strength rises to continue waiting for for the Isaac and for the promise. Yeah. So Lord, I just pray that anyone who's out of alignment in time would be brought back into your grace and, and, and into alignment with, with your perfect timing today. We pray for vision and clarity over people's lives. Lord, and, and may the pressure just come off of all of their backs in the name of Jesus. And we just bless them in, in your name. Amen. Amen. So Kara, how can people follow you? How can they find out more information about mm-hmm. Safe Passage? Yes. How can they get your book, Defend Yourself? Mm-hmm. How can they follow you on the socials? Let everybody all know the all the things. <laughs> yes, uh, I know Illumination is so good at linking it all, but um, karastars.com, uh, you can get a signed book, but it's also on Amazon. Um, 
And yeah, I'll be doing a series on YouTube at Kara Starnes, uh, probably this week or next week. But Safe Passage, whoa, we changed our URL from safepassageky.org to safepassageusa.org. And so um, now we're even crossing the border. So what? Uh, now we're, but, but anyways, that link is safepassageusa.org if people want to learn more. Yeah. Come on, come on now. Well, Kara, thank you so much. We appreciate you. I know the people appreciate you but thank you so much for coming on and sharing it's just amazing amazing to hear what god has done and what he's currently doing and you know yeah. now a year from now you're probably gonna be like dude 2024 was so That's lit that. check this out and you'll tell the yeah well thank so. you for having me and for giving me a place to just share the story and so absolutely guys mm -hmm. absolutely so everybody that's our show have an amazing weekend go do something you love spend time with the lord um Tune in on Monday. We've got Vinny and Jackie Harris back. Vinny's a, a worship artist, um, does a lot of stuff with Krista Elisha. He's been on the show. His wife, Jackie, was on while I was away. So my sister was on. So I'm actually going to meet her for the first time. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to be talking about the prophetic call of Gen Alpha. Now, what is Gen Alpha? You've got me, who's a millennial. Uh, a lot of us are pushing 40 now. Uh, and then you've got Gen Z. And then you've got below that, which are the kids right now, which is Gen Alpha. And there's a lot of stuff we're seeing in schools with Gen Alpha. There's a the, Satan is targeting Gen Alpha because God has marked them for such a time as this. So we're going to be talking all about it. I'm really looking forward to that. So any of you guys have children, it's going to be really, really great. Um, so tune in then, 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Also, ElijahStreams.com slash donate is how you guys donate. And you know the drill. It's a double whammy. You support this ministry, but also you get in on guaranteed supporting the water well efforts we're doing in Uganda, Ethiopia, Nepal, even stateside with First Nations people. We've got a lot of amazing things planned this year in that regard. Uh, and we so appreciate this donation. So God bless you guys. And we'll see you at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time on Monday with Vinny and Jackie Harris. Okay, bye! This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today.